I think. I think that'd be fun to talk about. <laughs> I just hope I'm not wrong. <laughs> no, I think you're. I think you are. Well, just from what I've learned too, I think that's probably true. And I think there's been a lot of people on the show that are wrong about a lot of things. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> like Alina took down the tulip, and and we had fun doing it. But there's a lot of really great defenses for all those things, and yeah. But we're all on a journey, and that's you know that's one of the core values of the show is a process and that's why heresy is a big part of it I think it's because like yeah and sometimes in trying to make a heresy it's just big Chesterton's big thing with his book Orthodoxy sometimes in trying to make a heresy um, well he set out because he wanted a great heresy and in doing so he had a uh, found out that he made an orthodoxy after all don't have both ears Okay. Check, uh, check. Yeah, that's, Hello. oh, that's beautiful. So we have a <coughs> little so bit of, so when the wind picks up, you can hear it just faintly, but that's, yeah, that sounds great. Hopefully it just adds to the aesthetic. Yeah. Yes, we're outside. So our listeners know, we're outside, taking in the sound of birds and, um, yeah. Hopefully a minimal number of trains. <laughs> yeah, that's right, because we're right by the train tracks, so we'll see how that goes. Um, so I'll let you introduce yourself with the three simple questions and you know at this point yeah. how that goes. Who are you? Why are you here? And where are you going? Okay, well, my name is Jesse, um, as you probably see. Um, who am I? Uh, um, I guess some descriptive qualities. I just uh, graduated essentially with my degree in mathematics and I'm headed into a grad program in philosophy so that's fun. I kind of abandoned a second major in theology for this so yeah. That's uh, pretty good abandoning theology for philosophy <laughs> so you're good to have on the show. Um, why am I here? Uh, I'm here I guess to uh, figure out how to have authentic existence, I guess. I generally assert that, uh, uh, it's, what is it? Um, existence precedes essence. No. Yeah. Yep. So, I, I, I don't really think that why I'm here is something that I've been, I've been given. I think that's kind of something that we're, we're here to discover, or that's one of our, one of the things that I don't want to say called to, because I don't, I'm, I'm trying to get away from that sort of, that sort of language, but. Yeah, it's just too specific or esoteric mm -hmm. for, like, to be applied universally. Not necessarily that there is no purpose to being here. There might even be externally imposed purpose. It's just that we don't have access to it in that way, so we have to discover it on our own. Cool. So that's 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 why you're here and where you're going. I guess that, that ties both of those up pretty well. Yeah, I guess so. Cool. I guess one interesting thing about my, or one way of thinking I've been developing recently is I, I don't really view my own, my own being as distinct from the rest of the universe. I, I, I guess my scope is a lot wider. When I refer to myself, I kind of just refer to this particular knot of, of waves in space-time. And nice. I, I kind of, with the understanding that some of them will continue after I'm dead and, and uh, you know, after my body fails me, viewing that as kind of death. Right, but you're just one part of this, 
this, what we're touching, mm-hmm. what, uh, everything around us. And when you see an, another person, you end up seeing, I've heard this too, I don't know who it was again, but you look deeply into another person and you end up seeing yourself. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Does that apply to what to what you're saying? Like. Yeah, it could be. Uh, you, you see something similar anyway. Yeah, right. And you see a... I guess a similar part of the pattern that's produced you is the same thing that produced them. Cool. Are you are you interested in talking about Christianity and about that process for you? Sure, I can, I can do that. Um, yes, yeah, I guess that's that's part of why I'm here and where I'm going too. Um, why? Oh, yeah, let's take let's take why I'm here in kind of a different different way. Cool. Why I'm here on Trinity Western Campus still, as opposed to I don't know some some other place or or dead or whatever else um i was agnostic no wait let's go back further i was raised christian um i became agnostic i don't know probably sometime in high school i guess but i didn't really declare it for a long time i I maybe identified as agnostic in uh, maybe after my first year of university and i've just come out of my fifth um then I had a major turning point last summer, uh, just kind of, I was really, uh, had all my, uh, my, found, my agnostic foundations, which to be honest were pretty flimsy, mm-hmm. <laughs> torn down and uh, emotionally rocked as well, and just all these things kind of hit me at once. And then I enrolled back last fall, trying to avoid God completely, and avoid anything Christian. I had most of my degree, so I enrolled in like six different RELS courses to try and pick the least Christian ones I could because I'd, I'd kind of stumbled with a bunch, uh, with, with other other Christian courses before because I'd been unwilling to write essays and, and stuff for views that I didn't, I just wasn't invested in at mm. all. Um, so so you're hoping to deconstruct and be able to pull it apart so that it was so you could safely distance yourself from it, is that? Well, I, I was looking for, like, one example is I took Greek class as my RELS credit. So I'm like, I, I don't want to do anything Christian. I'm going to take a language course and right. count it as a RELS one. Right. And so I wasn't, uh, I enrolled in like six other courses intending to drop five of them. But draw, the one that I would keep is the one that was uh, least Christian. Cool. So that I could get away with my, with my uh, Trinity Western degree without ever having to engage that sort of thing. Right. But I guess I made the mistake of en- uh, enrolling in 465 Caltown since <laughs> class. <coughs> and just like after that, that first class where he talks about sickness unto death, uh, I was just so thirsty and it was it was water for me. Yeah, and that's Kierkegaard's book, Sickness yeah, Unto Death. Yeah, the, the despair that just really spoke to you, mm-hmm. that kind of despair of existence or... Yeah, that everything's futile, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. It was a tricky little one-two punch Kierkegaard pulls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he definitely... I just felt like it was saying all the things I'd been feeling for, for years uh, about futility of existence. And not that I really understood it on the level that I understand it now, and I don't even understand it nearly in its full depth. I'd have to read way more Hegel still mm. <laughs> to understand that. And But uh, it, it really did... I think it kind of makes sense in some ways that uh, I would have those problems because he's he is addressing problems of the modern age, and that 
and I think I was I'm a pretty good case study in in how those problems manifest themselves. Yeah. Right. So you and you felt so you felt like very much Kierkegaard has the three different um, kind of spheres of existence or whatever. The the first, you know, the the aesthetic who loves pleasure and and, and mm. does isn't really hasn't really faced misery and then right right the second who's you know you felt more like the second one who's who's discovered despair and meaninglessness and futility yeah um, definitely okay. and I definitely liked the the depths of that like I don't yeah. know how many other people everyone probably feels some of it but I really felt like to, even towards the the very end where he talks about like demonic despair and that sort of thing this wow. like spiteful existence uh, if God exists maybe he does exist and I'm going to uh, not be Christian out of spite in order to <laughs> right. to be the example that proves that God is unjust. Yeah. And I, I'd totally been there. Uh, so just being in that class and having something that could diagnose my own mental state so accurately was uh, just um, validating and uh, kind of gave me, I guess, hope in philosophy. Because well, I'd been kind of lazy with philosophy in the past because I didn't think that well, if everything's futile, then even philosophical pursuit is futile as well. Right. And I guess this was just a shot of hope that maybe if other people have uh, struggled with these same problems and come and come to some conclusion, maybe it's worth checking out what they have to say. Cool. And what what did what was the um, turning point then? Um, in in what in what way? Um. So so then was Kierkegaard's uh, solution helpful to you or or did it push you into something well it pushed me into into searching again instead of just despairing mm. in, instead of just wallowing in despair it, it gave me uh hope in the search even if it didn't i don't think it did provide any concrete answers yeah but it did give hope um not that i read this at the time but in, in another book he has uh, called the concluding unscientific postscript <clears throat> he talks about um, how, working off of Lessing, how if God had ultimate truth in one hand and a lifelong striving for it in the other, he would he would still give you lifelong striving. Yeah. So, in that sense, I guess that what, the, what the class really did was said that lifelong striving is worthwhile, whatever worthwhile means. Yeah, that's awesome. That reminds me of um, the moviegoer. By Victor Frankel, oh. who's not Victor Frankel, no, the moviegoer by by Walker Percy. Okay. There it is, moviegoer by Walker Percy, who's very influenced by Kierkegaard, and he talks about um, how um, most most of humanity is done with the search. They're not interested yeah. in the search, mm. and he's saying he's interested in the search. You know, and 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 he can't tell if he's a million miles ahead of everyone else or a million miles behind them because <laughs> yeah, because right. everyone else seems to have figured this out mm -hmm. <laughs> and they're pretty sure of who they are so either that's a problem or they're just way ahead of him that's something i've always kind of struggled with too is that it, even even as a searcher i still don't find it uh necessarily the case that my existence is more authentic than say the mother who raises seven children I, I can totally get behind her and say you're you're doing life right mm -hmm. by doing that well and and finding meaning in that and I guess for me philosophy is the the children that I've chosen but I I don't think I should necessarily condemn even the final human being for 
or hacking out their existence that way. Right. I'm I'm totally against the philosophic life as the best life, or or the monastic life as the best life as well. I think you need to be living as well. I mean, philosophic right. life could be the best life, but depending how you do it, like you can raise children well or poorly. You can mm. do philosophy well or poorly. You can do monasticism well or poorly. That's great. So it's more the um, the how than the what. Yeah. Yeah. Some people are going to be called to raise children, and some people are going to be called to do philosophy. Right. And so. And yeah. by called, I mean are going to find authenticity in that. Right. <laughs> and find meaning there. Yeah. Or find purpose or something like that. Yeah, that's neat. Um, do you think true authenticity is possible? That maybe ties into your other question about. Yeah, is it possible? About does the search ever come to an end? Maybe that's the same question. <clears throat> I don't. I don't believe in a. I don't believe in an end, I guess. I don't believe in a final state. Um, I, I hold to uh, that the search is worthwhile, and but I don't have, on, only intuitively, not because I've, not because that arriving at the conclusion that the search is worthwhile is the end. <laughs> so let's talk about the moment when you decided to um, uh, become a Christian or take communion right. or whatever. Mm -hmm. What what motivated that? Well, a lot of people in my life had uh, really, definitely, the people around me were a big influence on that, and and the the culture that I was immersed in. I I do continue to consider myself a Christian since then, which is is good. It stood. What it means is, I think, very different from what generally most Christians do. Like a, when you looking f forward a little bit to the heresy, I often think, well, all of my doctrine is heresy, uh, or would be. But uh, so, but back to that. Um, yeah, I guess I engaged it in kind of a a leap into the absurd. I was reading Nietzsche's *The Birth of Tragedy* and uh, Kierkegaard's *The Present Age* kind of together. Uh, *Present Age* was. Oh, that wasn't really for class. Actually, the other one. In the, no, no, anyway, uh, I was reading them, and essentially, the the message is that you're not going to this sort of complete system that is going to logically convince you that this is the thing you're supposed mm -hmm. to do. That's going to it, like philosophy seems like the search for that system, the search yeah. for that set of of first principles and, and theorems that will lead you to, to how you should act. But you're never going to get there. And it's worth striving for maybe a better approximation of that. But you're never going to get to the place where you can say, finally, hands down, we're done. System's mm -hmm. closed. This is how we live. Uh, let's go do it. Hegel didn't do that? <laughs> well, <laughs> may maybe Hegel did do that. <laughs> but I haven't read Hegel yet, so yeah, we'll see. Neither. After n yeah. maybe in a year, I'll, you can interview me again. <laughs> I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you the truth. Yeah. The, the absolute truth. <laughs> he figured it out. But anyway, uh, I'm really encountering how the Christian story was transformative in other people's lives. And realizing that the Christianity I'd walked away from wasn't a good representative of Christianity. And realizing the 
I guess the necessity of leaping into some void and um, coming to terms with uh, the fact that this is probably my void that I that I'm supposed to jump into I, I really felt like that was where things had been heading I'm my reflections on it now are, are, are far different than how I was reflecting in the moment and I've realized some inconsistencies and patched mm. them up and uh, you mentioned something to me um, when we talked about it uh, at my birthday party um, just that it, it helped to kind of unify things that had been dual in your mind do you remember that? Like you had, you had certain things that were kind of this or that and Christianity, that moment kind of unified those things. Do you remember that? I remember hearing you say something like mm. that and thinking that was really cool. I wanted to follow up on that. I've forgotten a little bit. Okay. Um, I've forgotten a lot, I guess. Unify. Well, I like the idea of Christianity kind of wanting a lot of twos, you know, like, and, or Christ, you know, even if like Christ is the ultimate example of that. Yeah. I infinite and, and temporal you know in one I, I I'm very much uh, gospels are, are my New Testament kind of Christian I don't I'm, I'm very uncomfortable with a lot of the stuff that has come after maybe I will get to know it better later on and come and maybe I'll accept it in a different way than I am now but I I really my Christian experience is very much, I think, an encounter with the person of Christ, not, um, not the systematic uh, theology or yeah. It's um, just really being and seeing new, incredible amounts of of, de- of depth to Christ's teaching, and it did bring a lot of things, a lot of things together that had been pretty scattered and and. Uh, divergent not viewing not viewing his teaching quite so simply as like philosophic teaching because it isn't mm-hmm. and it's quite bizarre that the way that we do encounter him is through like the way we do is so far removed from what the modern in me wants it to be i want to have uh, essentially the transcript of <laughs> when they sat down and it's just not that but at the same time i still feel like um, what comes through in some way represents what he was doing and what he was doing was incredibly profound. Uh, what, what are some of the things that Christ is, is on about, you think, that, that are like profoundly anti-philosophy? We can start there maybe, just like what are some of the ways in, in which Christ is profoundly unphilosophic? Um, well, he's not philosophic. He's not setting out to do philosophy. He is He's not setting out to lay out this systematic way that, like, he, he has no Hegelian goals mm. of, of providing the end of all things. Right. He, a lot of what he gives is contingent. It's not universalizing. It's, uh, he's addressing specific circumstances, and you can't necessarily apply those directly to your own life in, in a simple manner. 
I don't think. Hmm. And even on that, that terms of that, that uh, I don't know who it is that's on about the offense of the gospel or kind of Kierkegaard's scandal. Yeah. Kierkegaard. Scandal of the cross, etc. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, God's um, Roman crosses. Yeah. Is that what you're referring to? Um, not, not exactly, but, but in that, in that same sort of vein, um, the universal becoming a particular, like that's just, that's just, mm. that's just, uh, that's heresy. <laughs> you know, that's, that's mind boggling. That's, that shouldn't happen. You know, and yeah. yet that is what Christ claimed to be. You know, he claimed to be yeah, the end of the history. logos, the 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 word uh, incarnated in a particular human being. Yeah, and mm-hmm. Boltman says something along those lines, which I'm still coming to terms with and realize, or trying to trying to see if I agree with it and see if because it, it does make sense, but it, at at the end I'm scandalized. <laughs> right. What he says is uh, kind of when you have in history and in the process of history you have certain facts and then you have interpretation of facts and everything is an interpretation at its core yeah. but some things have higher or lower levels of abstraction in that so the example given is the fact that Socrates drank the cup of hemlock at some time around what is it, 400 BC is a historically verifiable fact, mm-hmm. I guess, well, within a certain degree of, of certainty. But uh, what it meant for, West, meant for Western civilization is a different question. When you interpret the, the real meaning in itself of an event, it changes every time the time changes. So if you're, the meaning of Socrates drinking the cup of hemlock for the first I don't know, uh, why don't we just say the first 2200 years from, from that till say the 18, from when he did it till the 1800s was maybe a good thing for Western civilization. Mm. It, it really was a positive thing for Western civilization. But then uh, you get existentialists and postmoderns and they realize, okay, maybe it's not so hot. Maybe it's not, uh, not as good for us as, as we've been thinking it is for all this time. So the, but each of those are, are valid interpretations of Socrates' action. And uh, one of them becomes more true later on, or a, a higher truth, perhaps. Now, so, so from that, to say the actual significance of an event, you would have to view it from the end of time, because the significance of an event can always change. Uh, based on your interpretation and based on new events that have come to light and interacted with that, so the ultimate of interpretation of an event can only be stated once time is over. Ah. So wow. that's it's called an, that, that would be the eschatological significance. And the scandal of the cross is to take uh, a historical event and make it eschatological. View it as the end of history. And I don't mean end as in uh, linear time ended at that point. It'd be T loss. Yeah. The purpose, the, exactly. the, yeah, the goal, the T loss of the end of history. Wow. And that was, and that's, that's Christ. That's the Christ event or the, the, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh man. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, does that tie in at all to this? Um, no, maybe it doesn't. 
but we can try it. Um, does it does that tie in at all to this idea of, um, you know, we're all kind of a particular or like a, a one one part, and and our existence isn't isn't um, its own, but in the same way that the the event kind of changes over time, mm-hmm. uh, we kind of have different existences um, or different incarnations, and 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 not one of us is necessarily right or perfect or or the full the mm. fullness, but we're all kind of a little glimpse or a little part of this just big thing that's going on around us or in us. Or am I making sense at all? Um. We're all, we're all part of this. I kind of wanted to tie that in and explore more about your original claim that you're just one kind of part. Of, oh yeah. Of this this uh, of a universal or of, of this, this big vibration thing. Yeah. And uh, and this idea of um, yeah I don't know trying to get get connected to this universal as a particular or yeah. Or get connected to the infinite as a temporal, or getting connected to the as a temporal. But I don't know if I think my my the model I was talking about rejects the essentially rejects your 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 existence as distinct from the rest of the world because everything you are had causality that led up to it and will cause other things afterwards. Uh, you you never really die. That even the the identification of the little of the thing that you call you right now is um, the you've just drawn brackets around mm. around a, a section of a number line and you've said that these are the numbers uh, that are significant here but that doesn't mean that the number line doesn't continue on in either direction and really when it comes down to it it's a little bit arbitrary where you where you draw those lines uh, maybe a, a, an example would be if you had um, a bit of dough, right, uh, and you made it into two balls, you can say, now these, these, two, these two spheres are, are two. But then you can always mush them back together, and uh, where did the two go? Mm-hmm. Um, so viewing, viewing the self in a, in a similar way, those two things really did exist in a sense, but only because you gave them name. And in the same way, you only give yourself name. Uh, the existence of the self name in that way so a lot of people would would um call that enlightenment when you reach that point where um you find the self is is actually one with with everything um and am i using is that appropriate like uh i don't know okay you're talking about like nirvana enlightenment yeah kind of buddhist enlightenment but i think there's christian elements to it too like i read this woman jean guyon who talked about it like we're a stream you know we're a stream at the top of a mountain Mm. and we're heading towards the ocean and the goal for her so in that same way that you're talking about the dough you know can be separated but the goal is always to be unified so you're saying you're waking up to the realization that you really are still just part of the dough like you really are you haven't your brackets drawn around but you haven't actually even separated yourself whereas a lot of buddhists and a lot of uh christian thinkers i think they're, the goal of this life is to obtain the unification of the particular with the universal, so the stream with the ocean once again. And mm-hmm. the, but you you would say that like everyone already is still connected to it, and you just got to wake up to it, or 
well, you don't even have to wake up to it if you don't. <laughs> okay, to. yeah. I think I don't think this necessarily provides a goal in the way that I've formulated it. Ah, uh, yeah. It doesn't. The goal of life isn't to realize that you're part of this thing. It's that might helpful. Be sorry, that might be helpful to realize it. You might be able to achieve your goals better, etc. But uh, you're you're part of it regardless, and you can't actually do anything to separate from it, and you can't do anything to become more in it because wow. it doesn't uh even working off of um uh what i've been reading and uh maybe i won't cite my source but certain people will know uh kind of the the causality of being and being as a human you really can't do anything to harm humanity because Anything that you do uh, comes from the process of humanity, which is a self-improving process. So even if you do something actively with the intention of harming humanity, you probably or you you will still end up helping humanity by refining it somehow. Perhaps anything you do against it could, for all you know, still just be part of the process yeah. of improvement. It becomes like the equivalent of an immunity shot, perhaps to an yeah, immune system. Sure, yeah. yeah. You, and you really can't see it and you you can't work against it because working against it is part of it this and is, it doesn't work against itself this is awesome i, I and, oh and you oh yeah because you're already kind of trapped in it in mm-hmm. in <laughs> i love that a lot you can't stop being <laughs> yeah and even even the negative somehow gets flipped into a positive in the when you zoom the camera back you know it might um, Perhaps. I mean, this, yeah. this does this does assume that existence might just vanish. For all, yeah. like you can't you can't necessarily say that Ooh. it won't. But well, and, and so I'm and what comes to my mind is is Melkor from the Silmarillion. Uh-huh. Uh, he he plays a uh, Melkor is the, sort of the devil character in the Silmarillion, mm-hmm. and I haven't read this, but I heard this from someone. But he plays a really dissonant chord to like make people upset, mm. and the answer to that problem uh, for God is not. Uh, you know, to kill Melkor, but it's to he presses down the other keys and turns that and brings that dissonant note into a full, beautiful, harmonious chord. So yeah. he takes that. So maybe that that applies to what you're saying. Um, mm-hmm. Even those negative actions that are malicious get swept up into when the z- camera zooms back. They're they're actually quite meaningful and beautiful. Right. Um, it, it does work. The only difference I think is that. In the Melkor illustration you've just given, it views God as a reacting agent. Hmm. Um, God hears the intentionally dissonant chord, or no, because you say he, he it, it sounds like Melkor does X, God then does Y. Right. Uh, whereas mine would be Melkor is doing X, God was already doing Y. Melkor's actions, you know, it's, it's not, there's no right. interplay in that yeah. sense. It's Yeah, because cause you're, uh-huh. cause you're zooming back to kind of a... You, you can zoom back, but that's when the action takes place. The action of zooming takes place. It's not a reactive between Melkor and then yeah. God. And that's just, and so your philosophy that you're laying out here is, is simply um, a zoomed back picture of humanity. It's trying to be. Yeah. But it also assumes that there is a harmony to the universe, which I don't know necessarily if I should... <laughs> I should assert that, but right. Well, it's a hopeful assertion to make, and it makes your life better. I feel like it's—I don't know—it seems like a worthy venture. Um, oh man, this is so good. 
Um, so I want to I want to know if 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 you've thought of Christ's bearing on this. You know, was the world a certain way before Christ, and now after Christ, everything is this whole one thing, mm. or has it always been this way, and Christ illuminated that, or um, have you thought about that at all? What 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 the person of Christ kind of brings to this picture of humanity? I've thought some. I'm, my conclusions are still pretty raw, but I can, I can try and present them. I try to view it. <laughs> this is really ambitious, but and maybe foolhardy. But I try not to view time quite as linearly. And I know that our minds are work that way. But I experiment a lot with thinking stuff like, what if I simply reverse reverse the direction that time goes? Because I can I can I can take things I know of the past and project into the future. Why can't I take my projections of the future and then try and figure out things in the past mm. in kind of a similar way, like? Just uh, like if you were rewinding the tape, if it would still make a logical sequence. So just starting from that kind of experimentation, I'm sure there's huge flaws with that. But that kind of thing, and even this kind of works with the view of God being outside of time as well. In that mm. um, uh, everything moves towards and away from Christ, I guess, not in a not in a linear not in a linear fashion, um, more in a, like a whirlpool and Christ yeah. is the center of the whirlpool. I, yeah, I fully agree. I've thought about that too. A spiral or a, a whirlpool mm-hmm. is maybe even a better. Yeah, so we veer to the left and to the right, but we're just constantly getting closer to the center mm-hmm. every time. So God, so Jesus coming back transforms both the present and that we we can are now viewing the past but it also transforms backwards it provides the meaning of life for us reacting and it uh, provides meaning of life for pre-Jesus uh, leading up to wow oh man that's so good this is like one of those wonderful <laughs> oh my gosh moments um, or oh my god moments oh my god <laughs> um, Okay, so so I, because I'm because I'm still interested in this um, what we were talking about earlier about the temporal and the eternal and that chasm Kierkegaard kind of sets up. Um, uh huh. Um, but I so I wonder if eh, do we have a fallen state? You know, like do we have a uh, a disconnected from the pie and dis, or a and does Christ help? Because one p- potential, you know, addition to this to this theory is that um, seeing the universe, well, Christ, Christ then can can f- uh, bridge that gap between the um, yeah, Christ, Christ can can bridge the gap between. Uh, the disconnect between our little stream and the ocean like Christ kind of comes and he he reconciles these two things together um, and they, they they come to their apex in Christ you know that's where that's where time meets eternity that's where heaven meets earth that's where uh, the infinite meets mm-hmm. the temporal uh, right in that in that little God event um, and I wonder if that if that also is where um, the individual meets the rest of existence where where time meets untime and it, and is it is it possible that it's christ that 
that um, that bridged that gap that that um, br- brings humanity to this to this awareness of their place in the whole and to this to when the, so <clears throat> maybe this was all a waste of time here's what I'm trying to say when the eternal becomes when 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 un, when non time becomes into time right um, that helps time things come out of time is that possible is that is that yeah tie into that, your that's talking about like heaven and stuff yeah uh, like when, when we go out of time yeah. from God yeah um my first comment to that would be you you did say something about awareness and uh, I don't necessarily think that. Again, I'm trying to get away from these these goals of life. Not that right. there aren't any, but you, it, it seems to say say that once you become aware of it, then you are. Oh, let's see. I maybe don't want to go down that, but I I'm just going to say I don't really know. I I don't know how to respond to that okay. without without being absolutely heretical and um, uh, overextending myself, really. Well, it's a good time for your heresy. (laughs) 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 Um, But, but, but no, you don't have to to do that. Um, I guess my, yeah. Sorry, I want to, I want to pick up on then on, on this idea because I because I was I again I noticed that I was I was switching back to the mindset um, the linear time mindset yeah how do we get from this to is, this and that's what I'm which always is totally going back to integral to the way that the Christian message has been formulated for the yes. past two thousand years yes I think my my comment to that would be it's not necessarily the way we have to look at it I think that it can it can be right. Uh, but in involving evolving modes of thinking it's not it like everything else isn't the ultimate way of, of formulating the message yeah. part of that goes to um, um, shoot where did I read this uh, just a quote from I think this is Charles Taylor now he oh, says nice. that uh, just an obscure part of that big one um, the religious founders always have to express their message in the language of the time so um, because they had uh, some some sort of linear view of the world when when he expressed it or people around him would understand it that way he had to use that language to express it and for them to get anything from it for it have any significance that's not necessarily the way that we view it now yeah so this plays into Rudolf Boltmann's project of demythologization that we now have to... It, it presumes that that language is inadequate. I think it necessarily has to be inadequate simply because with the evolution of language we can't understand it in the way that it was formulated because we don't think that way. Mm-hmm. So a certain amount of translation has to go on. Uh, how much translation you think is, is useful is the next question but it, it's a question of use not truth neat it's, I, so I'm just going to pick up on, on things I'm hearing because this is really good stuff um, I love this idea that um, maybe 
maybe it isn't a linear get to here and and it's uh-huh. so funny because i was about to ask so is like the the course of history leading us to this point where we recognize that um that time is not an uh, a factor and that you know everything is everything and reverses uh-huh. forwards and you know eternity is now and like you, you know what i mean but but i was kind of formulated in the sense that like when will we get to that point where we wake up to this realization <laughs> which is like the the to- totally the opposite yeah of the realization because i'm still so ingrained in that in that thinking but i but i love this i love th- and it takes so much pressure off and i think this idea this christian idea of grace mm-hmm. this christian idea of that like you know that infinite qualitative gap reconcile reconciliation that is done by god not by you mm-hmm. i think uh i think that speaks so much to this idea of like it's already done you know uh yeah. time is already over you know death is already finished uh-huh. like we we can just enjoy eternity now because uh-huh. exactly it's all <laughs> Now, where that would lead you might be some very I, well, things that my value system condemns, hmm. <laughs> where that w- might lead you. Just like, we can enjoy eternity now, let's all be hedonists. Right, yeah. Uh, I don't think necessarily that's the case. I think we have more work to do with value positing to uh, to find out what the best way to live life is, if that even is a thing. I don't think that is a thing, but to find better and worse ways maybe is a thing, or to... yeah. To resonate more. Well, no, you, because you. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'm, I'm gonna use. I'm gonna use like, just simple yeah. theological language, sure. or like typical theological language, because that's my kind of lens through which I see the world. Mm-hmm. Um, is it this the kingdom is here and it's not yet here kind of paradox? You know. Yeah. Like we all get to partake in eternity right now. Yes. Yeah. There's things we can do to kind of make it better. It is. I think though. This, I, this this does get to my heresy is that good most of the time heresy time I don't think that there is uh, a causal heaven like there's not a, a in, in linear time there's not a an end of history where Jesus comes physically on a cloud and and with a horse and a sword or something yeah like all that sort of thing if it does happen it happens while we're still here and in every moment that we're here wow depending on maybe maybe it does depend on how in every moment you are reacting to that gospel message but i think that a lot of things about the linear are very problematic yeah, stuff like it encourages like deathbed confession that kind of yeah. ticking the box kind of yeah. thing. yeah and i think that it would be better given my values to improve people's lives throughout their life than just uh, the moment before death. Yeah. Or how could you have someone who's a Christian for a period <clears throat> and then falls away? I mean, this depends on if you can actually get out of the hand of God once you're in. But yep. I'm going to assume for a second that you can. How? Why would that person go to hell? That, that, that seems to me that I like to think of heaven and hell as states that are, that are present. Yeah. And they're eternally present now <laughs> so and before like, jesus too y- yeah because again making him eschatological reflects back there oh and, and a friend a catholic friend of mine was telling me about the simultaneity of the cross and i was like boom there you go <laughs> so like that that event uh if it was an event that you can look at on a linear scale mm-hmm. uh well, retroactively we can look at right it on a linear you're scale. right no great point yeah. um so even though it is it, that event retroactively 
gave meaning to all of the past events. Mm-hmm. So or yeah, not 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 retroactively even because <coughs> right. that that would be viewing it linearly. Yeah, simultaneously. It yeah, it, it always has been, always <laughs> will be giving meaning to those, just as oh, it is to now. Oh oh yes, <laughs> I am so into this. That's wonderful. And I don't think, I, I mean, that's a t- fantastic heresy. And I, and I love that that's almost more out there than any of the previous heresies. And I'm like, that's not a heresy. Because <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's out there. But I think that is so true. That resonates with me on such a, yeah, it's, it's about the moment, you know. It's about this present moment. And this present moment is a glimpse of eternity. Mm-hmm. And it's either a glimpse of eternal despair or eternal uh, bliss. Um, or somewhere in between sometimes yeah but it's 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 meaningful and it's happening and this this moment if the simultaneity of the cross is correct then this moment is Mm. the moment that he was crucified for us and rose again for us and that's right now and now i'm kind of getting the shakes that's amazing (laughs) i think there's a lot of epistemological backing to this as well stuff that says really all you have access to immediately is the moment mm. so you can only be you can only wonder about transformation in the moment you can't you can't wonder about heaven or or you can make plans i guess for it but you only really have access to the to, to now in actuality in itself yeah so worry about it because this is the only chance that you have to worry about <laughs> yeah <clears throat> and and this moment contains all moments and um wow oh man that's fantastic i think that might be a wrap all right what do you think that's good cool thanks so much for being on the show i this was awesome a lot of fun good okay we'll do it again